Uh-huh. Um, my car is a hot mess. Yeah, your car's a problem. An emphasis on hot right now. Um, yesterday, when I was driving out I uh, to work, I, I, I work, you know, a 45-minute drive, 40, 45 miles yeah, yeah. away, 45-minute uh, highway drive. Uh, but anyway, um, my car started to overheat when I got out, by the time I got out there, which sucks because I just replaced the radiator. But, um, and I had a long day at work. I, I did like a 10 and a half hour a day yesterday. Um, but since I work at Walmart, uh, for all intents and purposes, as I was leaving, I, I, I bought like four jugs of coolant cause I'm like, I right, gotta get home somehow. Yeah. Cause your car is basically on fire. Pretty much. Or was. So I'm, I'm walking out to my car with the coolant and I, and I was able to park relatively close to the building. Uh-huh. Now the, the Walmart that I work in is in Canyon city. It's actually, it's, it's a much smaller town than we live in. And so the Walmart is not nearly as busy and Honestly, people are pretty nice out there. I've been kind of surprised compared to Pueblo. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had too many issues or really any. Mm-hmm. But I swear to God, I thought I was losing my goddamned mind yesterday. Okay. So, so I walked out. I'm walking to my car. I've got my, my shopping cart with four jugs of coolant. And in the aisle in directly in front of my car, there's this big truck parked. Well, not parked, but just kind of sitting in the in the driveway or in the uh, in the aisle. Um, he's got his door open, and standing next to his truck is this shirtless, like Nazi-looking dude, and his I imagined friend, uncle, father. I don't know some mm-hmm. some guy who is like typical redneck getup, like dirty T-shirt, ball cap, and everything. And the two of them were standing there and like trying to almost get into a fist fight with the guy in the truck. Like I saw them struggling and shouting at each other and cursing at each other. Pretty soon, like I saw them get knocked away and the guy in the truck slammed his door and cussing at him and revved his engine and tore ass through the rest of the, the, the rest of the aisle, like really, you know, real fast. Like you could tell they were all upset. They're yelling at each other. He's, yeah. even as he's driving, I had no idea what was going on at the exact same time. On the aisle next to that, where I was parked, uh-huh. there was a, uh, a, a an unhoused person walking around, yelling at all people he could see, just kind of yep, talking to him and ranting about how the government federal spending is being misused. All right. And then, two car, like two parking spaces down from me, was an, like a big SUV, and in the passenger seat was a, uh, a young woman who was listening to music with her earbuds and singing as loud as she could off key whatever song she was listening to while the guy in the back seat kept yelling at her, Keep going! Keep going! <laughs> All three of these things were happening roughly at the same time. Wow. I thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> It was the weirdest goddamn thing. Jesus, man. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm like looking around in three different directions, hoping that none of these people come and like freaking steal my eyeballs while I'm filling my car up with coolant, praying that I can actually leave. Jeez. It was weird. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and then you had to come home and watch this. <laughs> Nope, I watched this at work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a creature, stat it out, hand it to you, and then give you the advice to set your campaign in the dark so you don't have to describe anything. My name is Matt. And I am a pile of flesh-eating beetles. 
Um, so we we covered the relic. We did, yay! Um, I guess <laughs> this is an interesting movie because I don't hate it. No, but I don't love it anymore. No. Like I thought, I the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I remember this being so much better than it was. And <laughs> I did not enjoy it this time. No, it, this was a a clock watcher movie. Yeah, and for one thing, it's a lot longer than I remember. It's, I do remember it being long. It's just under two hours. Yeah, it, it's uh, 100 and, uh, 109 minutes, I think, right? Mm, I think it's more than that. Is it? I thought it was I want to say it's hour a, 49. Um, I mean, that's... that's No, maybe. maybe. That's 109 minutes. Yeah, that is 109 minutes. I don't know. It It, it, it is a lot... It is longer. Yeah. I do remember it being long. The thing that really got to me... Uh-huh. And... Now, to be fair, the first time I watched this was in an ideal setting. This time it was sitting in a subway on my laptop <laughs> yeah. in broad daylight where I couldn't really see anything right. anyway. It could have been worse. I could have been watching it on my phone. But <laughs> I couldn't see shit. This is such a dark movie and it's lit in such weird flashes. Like, this movie is lit like, lit like the devil's asshole. Right? Well, it's the it's the adage of a, a classic monster movies where you don't reveal the monster, A, because it, it increases tension, uh-huh. and B, because then you have to spend money on the monster. Well, the, that's the thing. They did spend money on the monster. It, towards the end, but, I mean... Well, no, most, I mean, just in general, they spent money oh, yeah. building that suit. Oh, God. It's, like... You the, don't see it, though! No, you don't. Uh, the monster is in this movie for less than four minutes. Oh my god! Or is on on camera for less than four minutes. Yeah. And they built two separate, or th- excuse me, three separate suits. What? They they built the uh one that was just the head, one that was just like the body, and the arms, yeah. and then a full like hero suit. And then they decided to film him in a dark room with a yeah. strobe light. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And this. I don't think this was the uh, effects person's first movie, but it was close. And he said he learned so much doing this about what to do in later movies. Sure, and probably not what and what not to do. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And they, they said he said that he made this incredibly elaborate suit uh, that looked really great, but was super difficult for the performers to move in. Sure, I mean that that is one of the the balancing acts you'd have to do with practical effects yeah, but, but he said that the the suit actors later reported to him that they felt like they were being crushed inside the suit that ain't good no so that i mean they they spent money on the effects they just didn't put them on camera because right. either because but, they didn't look great when they were in motion or but i mean but but traditionally that is why a lot of monster yeah, yeah. movies are filmed in dark settings yeah um because it checks two boxes it's, yeah. it's a win-win situation why they filmed all of the non-monster scenes in fucking rooms lit by a wow. candle, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, like I know that, um, and, and it's kind of funny because I had a note in here that, like... What's that? Lawnmower. Oh, okay. Um, I know that in lot, like, in, in modern media, mm-hmm. like, the big trope is autopsy scenes where the person performing the autopsy is wearing no protective exactly, anything except yeah. for maybe some rubber gloves if you're lucky and maybe and a mask not, not usually, usually. A mask because they don't want to hide and obscure the, the actor's faces yeah, yeah whereas in this movie it's like the polar opposite the autopsy scene is like you see these doctors performing the autopsy and they're wearing what i would imagine are pretty accurate ppe yeah, yeah ppe but 
But then they obscure all the actors' faces by filming them in a dark room. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's bizarre. It really is. <laughs> and yeah. it's unfortunate because it made this movie so boring. It, it's a rough set. <laughs> like, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the tension. Um, There's some very good scenes, and I do really dig the monster design. Like, it's cool. He looks cool. He does. But you see him so rarely and he's lit so poorly that it's really hard to make him out at all until the end when he looks like a really bad CG yeah, fire when he effect. Yeah, into a cartoon, yeah. yeah. Um and it's just like there's there's a few good performances from some of the actors but like so much of this movie is taken up by museum procedural procedurals right <laughs> yeah it's another it's it's another weird like thing i've noticed where movies older movies tended to be like go that extra mile to make things accurate yeah whereas nowadays they they don't even make an effort at all even though people can now like back in the day like you had to either know somebody yeah. or do research to find out like how accurate that was Nowadays, people can just look it up online and say, no, that's yeah. not accurate at all. Yeah. I don't know why it's reversed, it, <laughs> other than, know. other than again, saving like, money. But Yeah, the, this movie um, was is based off of a book by Preston and Child, who are right. pretty prolific authors. Um, and it's set in New York, in the book. And it's set in the New York uh, Museum of Natural History. Okay, that makes sense. And they were going to film there, and they had it set to film there. And then the museum administrators looked at the script and were like, this makes us look like a bunch of assholes. <laughs> no! Like, I mean, you're not wrong, I guess? Yeah, there is no way you're going to film this here. And they're like, well, fuck, where are we going to film now? Like, we're, we don't have the, the scratch to build sets that are going to be big enough to look like an actual museum. Like, maybe we can shoot at another museum and say it's New York. And then, like, they were shopping the, the, ship, the script around to see where else they could film. And the Chicago Field Museum was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Let's fucking do this shit. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. The, mo the movie's set in Chicago now, so. <laughs> yeah. <it's a> <laughs> which which did make me try to, like, because I, I don't know a whole lot about shipping lanes and, uh -huh. uh, and things. So I did have to look up online to see if it was actually possible for a, a ship from Brazil to make it to uh, Lake Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It, it checks out. It, it checks out. It does, but I yeah. did, it did give me pause. I'm like, I mean, it's, kind of strange yeah it's it's possible. probably not gonna happen but, <laughs> but i do like, think it's kind of funny that we are uh recording this episode at the same weekend that the last voyage of the demeter is releasing because that's you know about a ship that makes it to uh london like completely unmanned and this is about a ship that makes it to chicago completely unmanned <laughs> all right we'll we'll top it off by uh, in the next episode we'll do jurassic park the lost world because okay, that awesome. happens at the last scene there yeah yeah in the third the act. dinosaur drives the boat in. exactly yeah. so um we'll, we'll just we'll yeah. cap it off <laughs> dinosaur uh dracula and kathuga all uh <laughs> team up to pilot a boat somewhere hey maybe in uh in future future dms you might be able to do that if you are listening to our podcast yeah all right <laughs> you're you're getting we're getting close <laughs> we've i mean we straight up have dinosaurs we're gonna now have a kathuga and then we're, yeah. we also have vampires so yeah. we don't even need to cover those other movies no nope. but anyway i digress yeah um so maybe we should actually <laughs> maybe we should actually talk about the synopsis of this movie yeah or... well this was directed by peter himes uh who's relatively prolific he's directed a, a few cool movies uh like i know him mostly for directing time cop okay uh but he's also done uh end of days and back in the day he did uh the sequel to 2001 a space odyssey 2010 the year we made contact okay which is not 
a great movie, but it's an interesting movie. I can say that. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's you know director there. That's that um, man. That's that man. Yeah. Most prolific actor is probably Tom Sizemore, who passed away earlier this year. Um. But yeah, he is our our lead male person. Our, our detective man. Yeah. So let's get into this critter. As Already it opens on fire and screaming. <laughs> That's another thing I noticed is there are a lot of jump scares in this movie. There weren't as many as I thought there would be because I mean, then again, I'm I'm used to more modern horror right. media where jump scares are the only way of doing it. Yeah, but um, but there are a few more than I feel is necessary. How often is literally the very opening of a movie a jump scare? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we open in uh, Brazil on focusing on a tribe that is um, performing some sort of ritual as someone photog- pho- photographs them. Yep. Photographs. Pho- photographs. Yeah. Which is the technical term. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, since this is in the late 90s, you're 100% convinced that this is going to be handled sensitively and mm-hmm. culturally appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these, these people are going to get absolute great representation and yeah. accurate, yeah. <laughs> accurate representation completely. Uh, the photographer, who is John Whitney, played by Louis von Bergen, um, is like participating in the ritual as they prepare him a potion or a tea of some kind, and he drinks it and begins to freak out. He has a he has a bad trip. Yeah, there's a tribe member who is in a costume and he's like scuttling across the floor at him, and everyone's kind of laughing at him. I mean, yeah. To be fair, like, that's what they should do to the dumbass white man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, after the ritual, um, he rushes to his ship that is in port, that is going to take him and his cargo back to Chicago, and tries to get the cargo unloaded before the ship takes off. Right. He doesn't want them to take it. Right. And I, I want to say, um, just for their spoilers, kind of, I'll... I'll pussyfoot around it a bit but um like knowing the premise of the movie and Mm -hmm. you know this is definitely the intended and i didn't catch on to this until the second viewing but like in this scene you're you're assuming it's like oh it's because he knows that there's the monster on there right um but by the end of the movie when you learn what's going on you realize that his motivation for doing this is not altruistic in the slightest yeah (laughs) and it's like oh Wow, that was actually kind of cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just looking for snackies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah, he tries to get the bribe the captain to unload the cargo. And the captain's just like, no, fuck you. Yeah, it's, we gotta it's, go. it's happening. I'm not gonna. <laughs> so uh, John hides like among the boxes of the cargo and gets loaded into the ship. Starts. Digging through all the crates. No regard for other luggage. Yeah, trying to find whatever he's looking for. Doesn't find it and screams to the high heavens. I felt the same way when the airline lost my luggage a few years ago. I've never been on a plane, so can't relate. Or a boat, for that matter. It sucked. I imagine it did, yeah. <laughs> you get you get to where you're wanting to go and you're like, I'm looking for my bags. And they're like, we don't know where they are. And I just fall to my knees and just look up into the air and just... Aah! As the camera just goes into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so now we are cutting to Chicago, where we meet our Tom Sizemore for the evening, who is uh, Lieutenant Vin- Vincent uh, D'Augusta. D'Augusta? I... D'Augusta. D'Augusta, yeah. 
It's pronounced Degusta. It looks de Augusta. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And other people pronounce it like a million different ways. And yeah, nobody. About it. Yeah, nobody likes his name. I guess. Uh, and he is arriving on the scene of the ship being towed into the harbor. Uh, the ship was found drifting outside a port. And Vincent has just come from a custody hearing where his ex-wife got custody of the dog. And it keeps coming back. Why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What's the, I mean, it's it's funny. It's kind of funny that, that like he's he's really bothered by it. Which, yeah. I mean, no, I, I get it. I absolutely get I understand it. Like... Mm-hmm. I mean, a pet is a part of the family. Right, So yeah. I do get it. It's just kind of a weird thing for them to just keep through-lining through this well, movie. <clears throat> it's another note that they, they give Vincent, and he's already got a couple other ones. Uh-huh. So it's it's just a hat on a hat at this point. I, I think so. It's also a damn good thing he asked about them coal tunnels. <laughs> yeah, really. So yeah, he finds out about the coal tunnels that are in Chicago, and about ships that go into them, and yep. that'll be a, a mystery tool that we'll use for later. Yep. Uh, but the ship is absolutely covered in blood, but there are no bodies that have been found. Yep, I can't find anybody. But there is a cat who yells at us. <laughs> cat jump scare. Cat jump scare. Yeah. Um, so Vincent and the other investigators are, you know, checking out the entire ship. They open up the ship's bilge, and hey, that's where the bodies are. They found them. They found them. And I really don't care for the squiggly music that they keep repeating to make uh-huh. sure that we know that finding these body parts is unnerving. Yeah, yeah. Give me a hand here. What a stink. Jesus Christ. And they comment on how stinky the bodies are. Smelly bodies. Well, I mean, they're 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 partially decomposing, waterlogged body parts in the bilge of a ship. Yeah, it's not gonna smell good. No. Uh, We cut to a week later, and Doctor Margot Green, played by Penelope Ann Miller, uh, arrives at the museum uh, on her bike and gets like dressed in the parking lot, like right in front of the library or the museum, whatever it is. She's got no shame. Nope. Uh, two kids argue whether to cut the field trip or go see dead things. Well, they, they are, um, they're skipping school from a different school. Right. They're yeah, using the that's... field trip to, as a cover to get in. And like one kid is like, this is how we, you know, we got to go in. And the other kid's like, really? You want to ditch school to go to a museum? And he's yeah. just like, well, yeah, because if we get caught anywhere else, they're going to know. Yeah. I guess it's not important. I, I thought these kids were going to be much more important to the movie than they, they ended up being. No. And thank God they're not because they're awful. <laughs> I mean, most, most kids representation in movies is not most great. Most kids are. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit more lenient in that regard. Uh, I hate it when kids talk like adults or I guess more to the point. I, I hate it when adults write kids like they think that kids should talk. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a more of a modern media trope than it is previously i don't mind these kids as much as you do uh but i I, i'm not a fan of most child actors yeah and these kids were just grating to me they were annoying they they didn't bother me any but they didn't i mean they didn't not bother me either so it's like they just rode that middle ground like whatever they're kids they're kids in a 90s movie i don't care they come across margo and ask her why she's changing right in front of the museum we find out that dr green is an evolutionary biologist so that's cool. 
uh, there's a conversation about grant work between uh, Dr. Green and Dr. Cuthbert, played by Linda Hunt, who is very tiny. Yeah. She's a wee lady. She's great. She is. She's she's a highlight of this movie, I mm-hmm. think. Absolutely. Uh, the boxes from the ship arrive in Dr. Whitney's office, but he hasn't shown up yet. He's missing. Oh, man. Where'd he go? Yeah, but the, these are boxes that I don't think were on the ship. They were delivered separately. Right, right. Uh, because he was looking through the boxes, and that's why he was screaming, because yeah. he didn't find what he was looking for. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we see that they had they, missed the boat. They got on a different shipment. Yeah, yeah. And so those arrive here in Chicago at this point. So they were probably legitimately late because the the, the ship was you know, yeah. marooned in the harbor for a little while. Yeah. So Margot, uh, Dr. Cuthbert, and Dr. Frock, uh, who is in a wheelchair. The, curat- ex- you're the curator of the museum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, examine what is in these boxes. Uh, they find an idol of the Cathaga, who is the son of Satan, apparently. I thought that was Damien Hellstrom, but what do I know? <laughs> well, they find pieces of it. Or yeah. they find it in pieces. In pieces. It's, it's, it did not do well in the shipment. Yeah. Uh, they also crack open another box and find that it is filled completely with leaves. Which they assume immediately are just packing, packing materials. materials. Yeah, but there's nothing else in the box. Yep. So that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, but the leaves do have little orange dots on them that they theorize could either be eggs or so- a parasite of some kind. Uh, so Margot freezes some of the leaves as to examine them later and burns the rest. Yeah, they're like, well, we're going to burn the crates. We're going to burn the packing material. And she's like, well, I want to analyze these because she's a good scientist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, because maybe the box full of packing material wasn't actually empty and the packing material wasn't actually packing material. Yeah, yeah. Although, what like, do I know? Knowing what we know from this movie, if she would have saved all those, all those leaves, this could have gone much worse. Yeah, it could have. It could have. So that was probably a good call on her part. I guess. Um, so the two kids from before decide to hide in the museum after it closes because tee-hee-hee. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ditching school and staying in the museum, that's, sure, whatever. Uh-huh. I could see it. I probably would have done that. Staying honestly. in the museum the entire day? <laughs> yeah, and like, then after, like... I don't know, like, there's a part of me that's like, oh, yeah, like, staying overnight in a museum would be really cool. Like, you would get to look at all sorts of neat stuff. No, that'd be horrifying. Yeah. Like, ugh. Like, like I'm, I am an introvert, and I do prefer my solidarity. Yeah. But being in an, an empty museum is, like, terrifying. <laughs> like, that is a spooky-ass concept. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the Field Museum is just so cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. At night, yeah. Oh no, I I wouldn't. Mm-mm. Like I didn't realize how much that would get my hackles up. But boy, <laughs> I would not enjoy that. <laughs> I would not enjoy that one bit. Any uh, any like labyrinthian or big building that you are the only one in, yeah. I think is just that's just creepy. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so one of the museum security guards checks the bathrooms uh, after the museum closes, finds out that the bathroom is empty, and then sits down to smoke a joint. Then something grabs his leg and murders him. Yep. Uh, we cut back to Dr. Green's office, where her crew uh, jump scare her with a skeleton. Yep. I don't know, don't know why. Because they want to go home. They want to go home. <laughs> they want to go home, so they all pitch in to make the skeleton joke at her. Yep. 
but she is analyzing the uh, the things that were on the, the leaves to see what those are. Um, the two kids are still around in the museum. They're just there. They're there. And then they see something in the staircase. Oh, no, is a dead body. Was it? It was too dark for me to tell on my laptop. It may have been a dead body. They were screaming at something, and I assume that's what it was. I thought it was the the Kathoga, but... I I thought it was a dead body, but it may have been part of the Kathoga. I I don't know. If it's a dead body, whose dead body is it? I don't know. (laughs) Because the only dead body we get so far is... Is the security guards, yeah. security guards. But, like, if it was the Kathoga, it wasn't moving very much. It was just hanging out. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. This movie's too dark to see. (laughs) It's too... I don't know. I have no idea what they're looking at. This movie's too damn dark. (laughs) Uh, But the next morning, uh, Vincent arrives at the museum to investigate the dead body. That's why I thought that's what they saw, was because they reported it to... Nope. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know what they saw. Maybe, because again, the dead body's in the bathroom, though, so... Yeah. I don't freaking know, man. I thought they saw his head. It's in the bathroom, too? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I always thought it was the, the, the monster. I thought it was... I, it I was... thought it was a dead body. Okay, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No. <laughs> but Vincent and Margot meet. They, we don't see the kids again ever. No, they're gone. <laughs> they're Thankfully. gone. Yeah, I thought they were dead the first time I watched this, and then I, this time I was just like, I overheard one of the police say, like, they they referenced the kids, and like, yeah. no, okay, never well, mind. Well, they, they say that this is where the kids found the body. Okay. <laughs> ah, fuck, man, I don't know. But yeah, the next morning Vincent arrives and meets Margot. Vincent does the sexism because he is convinced that Dr. Green is a man. And then Because only doctors are men. Yeah, herbidoo. And we find out that Vincent is superstitious. He's super superstitious. Well, yeah. we we learned that before. Um because when when the in the beginning of the movie or when they were first investigating the ship mm-hmm. and the cat jump scares the yes. guy, he asks, Was it a black cat? Yeah. And yeah. that's your first inclination that he's yeah. superstitious. I thought it Originally that it was just him being like, oh, it, you know, is Black Cat, that's unlucky, ha ha ha, this is just a joke. Nope. But no, it turns out that's his major defining characteristic. Yeah, he's just super, super superstitious. Yeah. Because he won't step over the body of, the, the dead body, because that's unlucky. He has a lucky bullet that he keeps around with him and touches all the time for good luck. End of list. Yeah. <laughs> Those are his major defining characteristics. Yeah. I do think it's funny, though, that, like, he, the super... This this incredibly superstitious man is investigating a murder at a museum that is about ready to open a new exhibit on superstition. Yeah. And he's not superstitious about that coincidence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever. I have gripes with that superstition <laughs> exhibit, by the way. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's wrong, Chris? They make you walk under a ladder the very first thing you do. Oh, that's... And then look at all of the then look at all of the cultural. Yeah, it's like that's fine. <laughs> Then they get into, oh, no, this is actual religious things that people believe. And it's just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to it. Yeah. Margot takes Vincent through the labs, and we discover how the museum cleans skeletons, which is with beetles, which is actual. Well, first they, they soak the corpse in that warm bath yeah. to get it all nice and goofy. soft. And then they feed it to beetles, which is actually how that works. That, oh, that really? Is, I didn't yeah. know that. No, that's a, that's how that works. That's cool. Yeah. Okay for them. Like I said, this movie goes pretty in-depth to museum procedural. <laughs> I don't know why. Because it's important, I, I guess. I guess. I mean, well, to be fair, it's it's based off of a novel. And novels, it, especially older ones, tended to be pretty yeah. and like the, accurate. The, the beetles or were actually supposed to play a much bigger part. Yeah. They, they had a cut scene. Oh, beyond what we see, obviously. Yes. yeah. 
Because it's cut, Matt. Yeah. Idiot, fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, it turns out that Dr. Whitney's office was broken into at the same time the security guard was murdered. Someone was looking for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit later, the morgue is doing an autopsy on the security guard, and Vincent is in attendance. And we get a great line read as she's doing this. Any idea about a weapon? Something big. Um, but yeah, it turns out that the uh, the security guard has been fully decapitated. And it's not the only decapitation murder this week. <laughs> Which is... I would be worried about that. I don't imagine that's a super common thing. But no. then again, I'm not in, like... I'm not in that field, so maybe I'm... The decapitation field? I'm not in the decapitation field okay. in Chicago. Okay. It might be more common than I think. I don't know. But yeah, uh, parts of the security guard's brain are missing. The hypothalamus. The hypothalamus. Uh, Margot um, analyzes the specimens that were found on the leaf, and her notification sound when the analysis machine is finished is a car crash. I don't know why. And the subtitles inform us of this, that it's a car crash? I don't, I have no so idea I why So I thought she does something that. had run into the museum. <laughs> that was fast. No, no, it's just her sound for the, when the computer the analysis finishes. is done. Yeah. I don't know why that is. It's a strange decision, but yeah, it's whatever. very weird. Look at her, she's quirky. Yeah. But uh, one of the flesh-eating beetles finds its way into the container with the fungus. Crawls under that leaf. Yep. And Margot boxes it up. Uh, she checks out the new superstition exhibit at the museum, which, as I mentioned, is a lot. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, it, it's... The entrance is, like, um, the the entrance to hell from Dante. Uh-huh. And it says, like, abandon all hope, all you who enter here. Yep. So it's like, there's already mixed stuff going on because that's not really something I would like associate with superstition. superstition if they wanted to have it like okay this is various myths and legends mi- and... not even myths and legends but like views of the afterlife or something like that okay, I could see sure. that like that would be a good yeah. thing to focus on sure don't it's not superstition like the, uh, yeah. you enter there and you walk under a ladder and it's like ha 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 okay yes that's that's superstition that's superstition right there. like Straight if up. they want to focus on that that's something but when you mix those two it starts to get kind of offensive yeah yeah the the fine line there is it gets really hazy and it's not good no no it's not great <laughs> but as Margot is going through this exhibit um which is weird because it sounds like she had a pretty good hand in putting it together so i don't know why she's yeah, I have no it. idea why the hell she's even there. Yeah. Like, she just kind of wanders through for no reason. Yeah, but there is someone with a very wheezy throat chasing her. Yeah, the monster, like, up until this point, we we have heard the monster, uh-huh. and it is wheezy. Yeah. I don't know why it's so wheezy. No. It needs an inhaler. Yeah. Badly. Yeah, the Kathaga has asthma. <laughs> yeah, maybe if somebody gave it its inhaler, it wouldn't be so grumpy. Mm-hmm. But Margot panics and goes to hide in the bathroom. And we think that the creature has followed her in, but no, it is a maintenance worker jump scare. Yep, it's it's just the the, the cleaning lady. Yeah, the cleaning lady. It's the janitorial staff, and she's got an inhaler and a wheeze. Yep. Which just solidifies my theory that this monster just needs its inhaler. Yeah, yeah. He's really looking for it. Um, we cut to the restoration crew of the museum working on restoring the Cathaga idol. 
so that they can put it in the superstition mm-hmm. exhibit, you know, which is exactly what you want to do. Like the night before the exhibit is set to open is change what's in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny too, because it does keep cutting back to this woman doing the restoration. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess it's supposed, I don't know much about actual restoration. I don't imagine it's a very quick process because no, no. you have to be super careful. And right. So, yeah. But she's working on this thing for days, but it, it's always the same shot. So like you, you know that they just filmed all of these scenes at one time. Right. Yeah. But it does get the impression that she is. That's literally all she's been doing. Just yeah. She just sits in this room under this blue light and rest, restores this one relic. So it can be like in the exhibit immediately. Like, yeah. Immediately I, on. I would on understand it if they were restoring it. So it could be restored and put in a different exhibit or something like that. No, it has to be. But no, it has to be in this exhibit that the entire movie is framed around for reasons. Yep. Also, um, it's, and I, I mean, I am, I imagine this is intentional, but there, Uh like, there is a lot of focus on the relic. It's the title of the damn movie. Yeah. But when you get to the end of the movie, it's not important at all. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. (laughs) I, I've never read the book. Sure. So I don't know if it is more important in the book, if that's what, you know, this virus or whatever came over on. Because, spoiler, it's a virus of some kind. Well, it, yeah. Well, we, we, can talk, when, yeah. we can talk about it when yeah. we get to there. But um, it, it's not important to the movie in, in the, the slightest. slightest. No, it's it's There's there just, I, I think it's supposed to be a red herring. For the yeah, audience. Yeah. Like, I, because it's like, ooh, the movie is called The Relic, and it keeps showing us this relic, and it's always done so in a very sinister manner. Yeah. Like, whenever something unpleasant or unfortunate the, the happens. The relic is cursed or it, something. Yeah, it cuts to her restoring the relic, and then, of course, when it's on display, it's the only thing lit in the scene. And yeah, yeah. Music is really intense. And so, it, and like, it's like, you know, it's a little relic of a gross looking frog god. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's intended to. To uh, to trick the audience into thinking that yeah the, the relic itself is more important than it is yeah unfortunately by the end of it 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 leaves me like just kind of with a bad taste in my mouth it's like it's really weird I wanted it to be a cursed relic yeah <laughs> why couldn't yeah. it have been a cursed relic <laughs> it's yeah just, it's just a piece of stone <laughs> it's a cool looking statue now mm-hmm. but whatever but. Meanwhile, uh, Vincent and his crew of cops are looking for the murder of the security guard. Uh, they are looking through, like, the underbelly of the museum, in, like, the boiler rooms and Yeah, they go into the, the maintenance tunnels, yeah, and yeah. They, the maintenance tunnels connect to the sewers. And yeah, well, yeah. It's just... The Field Museum is a fucking huge museum. Yeah. And this, it shows off the Field Museum very well. Like, it does. I, I want to go to the Field Museum. <laughs> it's a neat place. I'd love to go there, too, just not at night, when I'm the only one there, please. Yeah. Uh, also, I hope they have light, the lights working. Yeah, yeah that'd be, that'd <laughs> like, be They'd nice. better turn the lights on when I go, if yeah. I ever go. Uh, and the cops find a footprint and some blood, and it's a great big footprint. I don't understand that. Me neither. Especially, like, looking back on it. like. Nope. Because it's definitely a boot print. It's a boot print, yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the cop is like, God, the guy must be like seven feet tall. Yeah. So maybe Where, maybe Capoco's wearing boots? I th- maybe. It stopped at, the, it stopped at a Payless <laughs> yeah, store yeah. on the way in. And <laughs> now it's just clumping around. Actually, like, knowing what we know about Capoco at the end of this movie, I have a theory about this. Okay, cool. We'll have to, we'll have to explore that when we get to yeah. it. But 
but as of like as is right now, this is just weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vincent makes a call about checking to see if the corpses from the ship were missing the same parts of their brains, and they were. They are. They are all missing their hypothalamuses. Yep, all been sucked out. Uh, and then we get jump scared by moist wheezing flesh. <laughs> Yeah. As it scuttles around under the museum. Woo. So we know we know where Kathaga is. He's in the museum. Yep. Although knowing where Kathaga in this movie is is not really helpful because Kathaga is wherever the fuck it wants to be it's in this movie. It's very true. Like this thing can may as well can may as well teleport as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I, I almost thought like if I hadn't seen this before, I would have thought there were multiple ones. Right. Because right. that would make more sense. Yeah, because it's just everywhere. And it, I'm sure it's probably it just how it's cut. Yeah. But like in one scene, it's in the sewers with all the, the cops, and then the very next scene, it's up in, mm-hmm. on the roof or something. And it's just like what the? Yeah. I mean, this thing moves quick. So we cut back to uh, Margot and Vincent, who are bickering about things, and I was very much afraid that they were going to end up in a relationship at the end of this movie, but they don't, <laughs> thankfully. Thank God. <laughs> and then uh, Margot introduces Vincent to Doctor Frock. With whom he shares common ground and superstition. They're both superstitious boys. Yep. And Margot just kind of pawns Vincent off on Frock. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. I like Frock. He's a nice guy. Me too. They begin to explore links between Whitney's expedition in Brazil and the murder. And the two cops are still exploring the uh, the sewers and tunnels under the, the museum. And for a moment I thought they were about to get eaten by Cathaga. Uh, and we get another flashlight but, jump scare. But no, instead they commit a homicide. Yeah, they they get jump scared by an unhoused person, uh, who they immediately shoot to death. Yeah, they they unload an entire pistol's worth of ammunition into this poor homeless yeah. guy, just completely. Like the very next scene, they're talking about how he was armed and had drugs or they, whatever. They immediately like, go to pinning the murder on him. Uh-huh. Immediately, like and, the guy is still. He's, his soul is still dancing. And <laughs> yep. They're like, oh, wow, this was this must have been the guy who this committed the murders. Yep. Look at this axe he came at me with. Uh-huh. <sighs> oh, God. And he's like, this movie is saying things that I don't know if it knows it's saying. No, it has no clue. Um, Vincent is skeptical that this is their, their guy because he is the good cop. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, so this is the problem I have, like... Shooting up the home the, the, the homeless guy and then pinning everything on him. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. To me, this is worse. This is the cop who believes in something so much that he's look, willing to look past obvious ev- evidence until he can prove himself right. And it's glorified because he turns out to be right. Yeah. I'm sure this trope has no impact on our culture to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Like... Like, I, he is supposed to be the hero, and yes, like, in the, in the context and the fiction of this movie, he's right. Like, yeah, he, he is seen as the sane person because the audience sympathizes with him. Yeah, because he didn't murder a homeless person. Right, and, and because he knows that this homeless person isn't the one who committed the murders. Right. It was, but it's still, it's, this is a cop who believes that a specific thing is true uh-huh. and therefore will stop at nothing yeah until he is proven right yeah yeah that is a problem yeah <laughs> so, and he, he's the hero in comparison to the other cops uh-huh. who, who have killed an unhoused person and planted evidence on him yep and so it's just like, yikes wow yeah no not great 
not yeah. great. Yeah. But we do get a really good line read. Which one? Um, I, I don't know if you're going to cover it, but he talks. he's talking talk to, to the, the mayor. mayor. Yeah. So um, go ahead. Go ahead and talk, okay, talk yeah. about that, and I'll, I'll jump well, in. The, but... the, the driving thing is that there is this huge gala to open the superstition exhibit at the museum. Because that's super important. It's so weird. Um, it may be. I don't know. I yeah, I gather it's a bigger thing in bigger cities than that. But right. this is like a opening to a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it is wild. Well, it, I mean, it, it is a lot of, like, very rich and influential yeah. people showing up. And the scientists who legitimately work at the museum basically trying to sell themselves to yeah, earn a grant. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that like, was the whole thing. Margot is in competition with this Dr. Lee for a major grant. For, that for is Greg. With, Greg Lee, yeah. yeah. They call him just Greg at first. Yeah. And, like, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, and I was still rocked by the fact that he wasn't a middle-aged white dude. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Because when, when they're talking about him up until that, it's just like, yeah. this is just a middle-aged white scientist asshole. Yeah. And then you find him, and this is like, but that's yeah, not yeah, like, what I was expecting at all. His department has enough funding. He's gotten a different grant, so he's fine. And Margot's department doesn't have enough funding, so she's trying to get this grant from this rich couple, and he's going for it as well, so just so he can take it from her. Yeah, essentially. yeah, that essentially. But uh, but yeah, this whole gala is a huge thing, yes. and, and I, the mayor is like, I get, he, well, the mayor explains that it's a big deal to his wife. Yeah, and that's why it's a big deal to him. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's straight up telling the the you know he's telling Vincent like, this is happening tonight. You can't stop me. You have to let the gala go on tonight. I don't have to let anything go on tonight. Oh. <laughs> it's like, wow. You, you sure you don't want to take another take of that? Yeah. No? That's the one you're going to? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, you know, the mayor insists that the gala has to go on because every monster movie is Jaws, Jaws when you boil it down. Mm-hmm. It's either Jaws or Alien. Yeah. This is both. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Vincent agrees to let the gala go on, but insists on only keeping the central part of the, the museum open, the new exhibit, and making sure that there is an increased police presence. Yep. Uh, back in the labs, Margot opens the styrofoam specimen container, and a giant beetle crawls out of it. Like, a much bigger beetle than went into it. <laughs> He's a big beetle. Big old beetle. And I think that a beetle that size would be the discovery of a lifetime for an evolutionary biologist. Yeah, and then she just immediately smashes it with an encyclopedia. She she kills it, and then she analyzes it, and then it's just like, that was weird. Yeah. Like, there's your fucking grant, lady! Yeah, really. (laughs) But yeah, she uses her DNA analysis machine on this thing, and discovers that it has 40% gecko DNA. (laughs) That thing was a lizard. Yeah. Very bug-shaped lizard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the police presence arrives, and they have a couple of police dogs named Pollux and Castor, which is kind of cute. Uh, the gala goes on. All, all doggos are good doggos. So. Yeah. You, well, these dogs are bastards. <laughs> police dogs are not volunteers. They are enforced <laughs> into military service. <laughs> They're good doggos. They've just been put in a bad position. Yeah. <laughs> Although it is very funny that, like, Vincent's, like, you know, we need to sweep with dogs. And like, we did. And he's like, get better dogs. And then they do. Implying that they just have better dogs that they don't <laughs> they use, use the all the time. the shitty dogs. Yeah, they use the <laughs> shitty... Because Vincent and Pollock here... Or Vincent, um... Castor and, and Pollock here 
they do the job. They yeah. get it done. They get shit done. Apparently, they the just other use dogs garbage dogs. Yeah, they just use the bad dogs. I don't know. I'm like, but all dogs are good dogs. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, uh, people start arriving for the gala, and it goes on. They literally roll out the red carpet, and all these rich and maybe famous people arrive. I don't know. I can't see any of them. No. They're it's, all, it's, it's all dark. in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh my god. Like, and like we said in the beginning, I, I do enjoy this movie for the most part. Uh-huh. Like, I like it. But, damn it, someone turn on a light, please. Yeah, really. I, I remember living through the 90s. I remember being able to see a lot better than this yeah, everywhere it wasn't that I went. Dark. <laughs> People had well, lights. The lighting thing is an ongoing concern <laughs> in modern movies, too. <laughs> it's true, but... Fuck. Yeah. This is it's a big fancy museum at a gala. Light a lamp. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Doctor Frock is trying to convince uh, Margot that she needs to get changed and go up to the gala so she can try and glad hand some grants. Yeah, because she's now way more interested in what's going on here. Which, to be fair, yeah. But still, lady, you do need that money. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Margot begins to theorize that the parasite that was on the leaves is actually a virus that replaces the host's DNA with reptilian DNA. Which is weird. It, it is very strange. Yeah. I don't know of any viruses nope. that do that. And then victims of the virus need proteins that are found in the human hypothalamus to mm-hmm. survive. Which also does imply that chocolate would work too. Because uh, chocolate... It produces the same chemicals as are found in the human hypothalamus. Well, there you go. I found that out from a Venom comic. <laughs> Come on, there, I like read more comics. Yeah, it would be around the same time period too. Yeah. <laughs> Back up at the gala, uh, they are preparing to close and lock the labs because, like I said, they're just keeping the central area open. And Dr. Lee insists that he was the last one out of the labs. There's no one else down there. Because he's a right fucker. Yeah, so uh, Margot and Dr. Frock are locked in. And they have to go through the maintenance tunnels to get back to the actual museum. Right? I'm sure this isn't a complete and utter fire hazard, but okay. This museum is... This museum is a death trap. <laughs> OSHA would like some words. Well, I, I will... I've got, I've got notes. Yeah. <laughs> and by notes, I mean I'm just going to yell it for a bit, but yeah. we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Vincent, the cops, and the two dogs begin, or continue tracking the creature through the tunnels. Because it's smelly. Yep. And they're using the good dogs now. Yep, and the cops uh, split up like a Scooby-Doo gang. (laughs) Uh, And then the the two dogs smell that smelly smell. That smell smelly. And... Do they smell that smell? They smell that smell. Ooh, that smell. (laughs) (laughs) And just take off from everyone and are promptly murdered by Kavaga. Yeah, we hear we hear sad we hear dog bad. noises. Yeah, I hate that. I hate it's not that. great. And then we see dog parts, well, the, which is the, also not great. Yeah, the dog's handler charges down the tunnel and finds what's left of one of the dogs, which is sad. That's not good. I would have preferred the kids to die, not the dogs. I know, right? Uh, back upstairs, the gala moves to the new superstition exhibit, so everyone has to walk under that ladder. Uh, and, uh, not the mayor. He's yeah. not willing to risk it. Yep. Because he's only superstitious during election time. Waka waka do. Uh huh. Politicians. Yep. Back in the tunnels, one of the dogs is still alive, so that's good. 
Yay! Uh, the handler is not. No. Uh, Vincent finds their remains and the surviving dog. And it might be, it might just be because I'm allergic to dog saliva. Like, I, I break uh -huh. out when I when dogs lick me. But watching a dog lick someone's face is, I found, is, like, really uncomfortable oh, yeah? to me. Huh. I can't stand it. And I was noticing, um, I was watching, God, I don't even remember what I was watching just recently, where a dog was licking someone's face, and it was a cartoon, and it was still, like, making <laughs> me, like, cringe. So. No, it's just a weird me thing. I just, yeah. I do not like it. Um, back in the exhibit, they show that the Gathaga idol is now on display in its own little centerpiece, because it's very important, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they don't really know anything about it. Yeah. But it looks cool and spooky. Looks super and cool. Look at the spooky lighting and the ambient music they put yeah, around it. Yeah. While everyone is filtering through the exhibit, uh, blood begins to drip upon them. Maybe that's part of the exhibit. No, because then Cathaga just starts raining bodies down on them. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the exhibit. Uh, well, the display cases break, which triggers a, a burglary lockdown. Yeah, okay, that's probably not good. And then everything else goes crazy because this place is run on the same security system as Jurassic Park. <laughs> No shit. Oh god, this isn't Linux. I don't know it. Oh my god. So yeah, this is where... Wow. Like, the security system automatically locks everybody inside and then cuts out the feed to the monitors. Yeah, the, the power <laughs> is out. There's giant fire doors that shut. Yeah, and, and none is, of this can be overwritten. No. None of it can be overwritten. Until the power is completely reset. Yeah, they, like have, they to have to completely... Toggle it on and off. They have to restart the power, uh -huh. which could take a while. Because it's, it's like, in a, like, in a different district of the city. <laughs> yeah. Whoever designed this museum's, like, fire suppression and security system needs to be hanged. Yeah. Not fired. Tried and hanged. Like, we... At the library I work at, we recently did a huge remodel. Uh -huh. And as part of that, we got new fire doors. Right. You know what these fire doors do when there's a fire? They open automatically. They open! Uh-huh. <laughs> because they're not actually there for people to go in and out. They're to let the smoke out so nobody dies of smoke inhalation. <laughs> right? No. The fire the fire doors in this building are meant to trap the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it can later be arrested. <laughs> yeah, you've got to detain the fire. Yeah. It's otherwise it will escape and hurt again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can't just use regular doors cuz fire can open no, doors. No, these are like blast doors from fucking Star Wars. Uh-huh. They're, they're like huge. 3 feet thick. And and yeah, they're 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 closing in one of the They close like the portcullis of a castle. And one of the like even one of the cops like he tries to shove a chair shoves under a chair it, in and it just dissolves the chair. Destroys the chair. <laughs> like if any of these guests would have been under that, they would have been vivisected. Uh huh. I I like while I was watching the scene, I was preparing. I was like, I had a memory of somebody getting caught in the middle of the door. It doesn't happen, no. but it's like it could have. It very easily could have. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, oh my god. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, up until this point, the the accuracy on, like, like, I commented on it during that scene where it's, like, the the, the, the autopsy. Like, wow, uh -huh. they're actually wearing proper PPE. And they're talking about, and, like, how the museum actually, like, cleans skeletons yeah, and stuff. And, it's and like, the restoration there's process. A lot of, there's a lot and of research that went into an this. An insane fire system. <laughs> and they do this. <laughs> it's like, they, I... I I have to imagine this was done for the movie and not oh, for the book. I, I yeah. <coughs> like, it, but it's one like, thing if these huge fire doors would close 
after the museum had been cleared if it was something they had to trigger. Uh-huh. But it's like as soon as shit starts going down, just yep. boom, everyone's locked in with three foot solid steel doors, <laughs> and and the and the fire suppression systems kick on, so it's raining on everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just it's insane. <laughs> I, d- I don't know if the idea is that Cathalga has fucked with the power somehow, and like that's what's causing everything to trigger at once. I mean, it's definitely not even implied in the movie if that's yeah. the case. But like they just... do say things are screwing up. Like yeah. I guess it's not supposed to do this. Well, like they're looking at the the security menu and which is hilarious because it's just a bunch of bricks. And they're like, oh no, everything's going crazy, and all the lights are yeah, flashing. They're just flashing. Lights. It's like, okay, this must mean things are bad. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it's audience shorthand for, <laughs> yeah. shorthand for the audience to know that, yeah, this is not right, especially since you have the guy off screen going, oh, look, it's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's going crazy. And yeah. there is no, there's no indication that Kathaga has done this. Yeah. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think they ever had a fire drill or the foresight to do that. They never tested all this shit and it was the worst yeah. opportunity. But like, oh my God. And then, and then like later on the fire department actually gets there and they have to freaking blowtorch cut they through. They have to use an arc welder they to cut it. arc weld cut through it and it's like, that's the specific reason why fire doors aren't locked is so that fire yeah. de- firefighters can get in when they need to. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, again, it's just, I think that the writers in the movie were just like, we need a way of trapping these people we in gotta, here. We gotta keep these guys in a closed circle. Uh-huh. What, what can we do? Yep. Oh my god, it's funny as shit, though. But yeah, the the gala guests begin to panic and trample each other because man is the true monster. (laughs) Oh, and these fire doors closed and the power is out. Yeah. These fire doors closed when the power went out. Yeah. So, (laughs) they're not even being powered to stay closed that's just their natural state yeah they have to supply power to the doors to keep them open uh-huh <laughs> this museum this is, is a death so sued yeah anyway i digress yeah <laughs> but yeah the the guests um bust out the windows to the museum trying to escape uh, a lot of them are injured in the process yeah, the, there's a, a quick shot of them going through the turntable style, like, yeah, the, yeah. the turnstile um, doors, and they can't get out because they're trying to go through both ways. Yeah. There are specific designs in place in modern buildings to prevent that very thing from happening. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know the details, but I know it's happened in the past where there was a huge fire and it was a building where the doors opened inwards instead of outwards. Mm-hmm. It was a design flaw. And a lot of people died because they couldn't get out because yeah. they were too much trying to push. So buildings after that have to, are maintained to a specific code to prevent this very thing from happening. Yeah, yeah. And that poor lady's just getting smooshed uh-huh. against the door. and It's gruesome. Several people die because they're I just think, being trampled. Yeah, I think that this scene claims more victims than the Cathaga does. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. And the Cathaga kind of goes on a rampage here in a little bit. yeah. Uh, but there's the two security guards in, like, the security station, and they're gonna go reset the power, because this really is Jurassic Park now. Uh-huh. Um, the guy leaves for, like, half a second, turns around and goes back in, and his friend's been cathogged, <laughs> and then he gets cathogged. Vincent is still rushing around with the remaining dog, trying to get back upstairs, because, like, 
th- this museum is not designed well. No, because this, when, then this, fa- this <laughs> fake version of the Field Museum is not designed well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then there's another scene where um, the the survivors who were locked in there are like, we need to get out. And they're uh-huh. talking about how the fire doors can't be opened until power is restored. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, what about the fire stairs? And they're like, no, those only lead to the basement. Those are useless fire stairs. fire stairs. That's just the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> what you just described are regular stairs, not a yeah. fire stairs. <laughs> Cripes. Yeah. Vincent uh, finds uh, walkie-talkie and talks to the other cops and is... Like you gotta get everybody out of there, and they're like, no, they don't. They don't want to go through the miles of sewer tunnels. They just they're gonna stay here. And people start arguing, and part of the group decides to leave, and part of the group decides to stay. And they don't even have to go through miles of sewer tunnels. They just have to go to the cross the street. Yeah, yeah. And the people who stay are the uh, the rich couple with the grant and Doctor Lee, Mm -hmm. and and a few cops to watch them. A few of the douchey cops. Yeah, I use that term loosely. Yeah, cops. That's what I said. Um, so Vincent comes across Margot and Dr. Frock and gets Margot jump scared. And then they lock themselves behind a large steel door, but Kathaga nearly busts it down. Yeah. Like all of a sudden now it's super aggressive and just, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the movie does. Well, I mean, the movie has an explanation, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't hold up under scrutiny. No, but well, I guess we'll get to that. So Vincent tells Margot the uh, the story of his lucky bullet, and sh- uh, which is where a suspect tried to shoot him, but the bullet didn't fire, and then he he beat the crap out of the person. Yay! Hero cop. Uh, and Margot um, grabs some Kathaga ooze <laughs> to, to examine later. Uh, Kathaga begins killing the guests who remain behind in various graphic ways, and we get our first kind of good look at it. We actually do get a kind of see it. Do we want to talk about the design? We should probably talk about it, yeah, because, it, like I said, it's a cool design. But it, it's this quadrupedal reptile with a build like a bear or a tiger or something, uh, and it's got giant mandibles like a spider and... Well, rip- I always like imagine like it looked like um, like boar tusks to me. Kind of... Well, oh, it, no, no, I, I'm seeing some pictures. Yeah, You're it, right, those are got definitely like a, spider mandibles. Yeah, it's got spider mandibles and, mm-hmm. like, razor-sharp teeth like a deep-sea fish. It's a really cool design. It's a neat-looking monster, and I wish you could see it. I do, too, because, like I said, I thought it always looked like a warthog, and now I'm looking at it, it's like, no, those are definitely spider mandibles. Yeah, yeah, and it's got, like, a line of hair down its back, like a like a boar or something. Oh, it's, it's, it's a cool design. Yep, and then uh, Kathaga gets Lee, so everyone who remains behind is dead. Yay! Um, and this is where the Beatles were going to come back. Okay. Because the Beatles were going to eat the corpses of the rich couple. Okay. And then when the cops eventually came in, they would find... Just bones? Just bones. Okay. And it was it was decided that that would be too graphic for the movie. It'd be unnecessarily I mean, graphic. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like no. it's necessary, so I agree. Margot begins examining the creature's DNA in her lab by using the slime and deduces that it is still evolving into something more reptilian. So it is constantly changing and yep. evolving. And it started out as something not reptilian, most yes. likely. And it's got all kinds of trace DNA of other animals. Yeah, yeah. Like, it says that there's lion DNA and all sorts of wild shit. Mm-hmm. Um, cops bust in through the skylights and repel in, but Kathaga gets them. 
and like tears one in half as his friends pull him up. And yeah, there's it's a, a bloodbath. It, it is. There's a lot of body count going uh-huh. on. There. Um, it begin Thaga begins climbing up the walls because it is mostly gecko and can stick to the walls like a gecko. Uh, it turns into a cartoon character for a bit. It does, which is unfortunate. These the the, uh, the CG in these scenes didn't bother me all that much. It's not as bad as later the final, on. The final scene is what but sticks it's out still in my brain. A, de- a departure from the suit and yeah, animatronics, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Especially since the best time you can see it is during when it when it's yeah, yeah. CG'd. So we cut back to the basement where Kathaga teleports down there and begins hunting Frock. Mm-hmm. Um, Margot finds out that the creature is actually a mutated human. It used to be a man. It was once a man. Uh, and Margot uh, plans to freeze the creature, saying that since it is a reptile, it's uh, weak to extreme variables in temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to lure it in with the hormone leaves that she has remaining, and then freeze that critter. Yeah. Because um, at this point, they've figured out that the 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 virus or that bacteria on the leaves mm-hmm. contained that hormone. Right. And creatures that ate it basically started, like, gained dependency on yeah, yeah. that as a, food, uh, as a f- food source. So that's why it needs to con- continuously ingest the leaves. Yeah. Um, and... Do do we get the full reveal of what's going on here, or is it I, a little bit I later? Believe it's here because we're about to get into like the end part of the movie. Yeah, so. because so, and this is where I find it like this is where I think the movie has its strength is uh-huh. the story behind the story. Yeah, yeah. Because what we've learned is that this is photographer man from the beginning of the movie, the yeah. Doctor uh, Doctor Whitney Whitney, mm-hmm. um, and it's like oh that's why he was looking for that cargo. Because he was already infected at this point, and, and he was knew, addicted to it. Yeah, yeah, he was addicted to it. He needed them leaves, or mm-hmm. at least more specifically, he needed the the bacteria on the leaves. Um, and I'm I'm assuming that it's because the tribe that gave him that potion, that drink, is what poisoned him. Right. With this. Yeah, and it infected him with it. Uh, Margot theorizes that, like, this creature was they would use it as like a protector. Yeah. Like they would infect a, an animal or another person or something, let it mutate, go into hiding, and then send it off to go attack their enemies. Yeah, or... they would they would feed it just enough to keep it mutating and, and keep it mm-hmm. placated, but then they would ditch, they duck out, yeah. point it in the direction of their enemies, and let it go wild, and then just let it finish them off, and, and then, then starve to death. Yeah, and then they'd come out of hiding mm-hmm. and... So, like, that's why, the to me, it's like, oh, well, that explains why the monster's getting more and more aggressive as the movie gets on. Yeah. Except that it's getting more and more food as the movie goes on, so that doesn't make much sense. Well, Unless, it's not... Maybe, maybe if its appetite is, like, proportionate to how long it's been. It's potential, so. and, like, that that's a potential, and also, it's not stopping to eat their hypothalamuses, it's just murdering a lot. Um, I think it is. Is it? I, okay. I think it is, like, because there's a lot of scenes, especially when they're, when it's getting the, um, the two rich couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the rich couple um like it, it shows that it like uses its mandibles to kind of like decapitate yeah. them and then you see it doing something to the okay. back of their heads okay. and i think it's that's implied that that's what it's doing it just it's very quick and efficient about it yeah so but um and and i do like the story behind that i think that's a neat mm-hmm. origin of your monster has nothing to do with a relic no but... nothing at all <laughs> um and again like you said like watching the beginning of the movie with that context really changes that 
first few those yeah. first few scenes. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, it, it's kind of cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, um... and it also explains like because they they talk about those coal tunnels that lead to the harbor and they go right. all the way under the museum, and it's like, well, if this thing is Whitney, he probably has some yeah. part of him that like is drawing him back to the museum, which is why he is at the museum. Yeah. And he's he knows, like, maybe on an instinctual level at this point, that that's where the leaves are. Yep. So, I just think that part wraps up nicely and is a very opposite uh, kind of thing to the, <laughs> the fire suppression system. Uh-huh. Well, um, Vincent and Margot go to pick up Frock, but it turns out that Cathaga has already burst through the fence and eaten him and tore up his wheelchair. Oh, man. So he's gone. Rip Frock. Um, we get more panicking guests because now Cathaga is over there with them and he's like grabbing them through the water like he's a shark or something. <laughs> because Jaws. Yep. Uh, Vincent goes ahead of Margot and gives her his lucky bullet, which she immediately stores in her cleavage. Okay. Yep. Mag- Nature's pocket, I guess. I guess, yeah. Uh, Cathaga is just about to eat Vincent, so he starts shooting it while Margot momentarily freezes it, which drives it off for a sec. So, that that worked. Yay, Yay their plan kind of worked. A little bit. Uh, but while they're dealing with that, uh, the escapee party guests have found their way out of the sewers, so they are free. Yay. Hooray for them, I guess. I suppose. Congratulations. Yep. You survived. Uh, Margot finishes her analysis of the... Belief, uh, confirming that it is in fact Whitney. Oh, okay. So I did jump the gun a little. A bit. little bit, not That's much. Okay. Yeah, we're we're in the the backslide yeah, here. We're in the end. So. Yeah. Uh, and right as she fin- finishes, uh, Kathaga bursts into the lab. So that was good. You know, <laughs> good timing. Good timing. Uh, Margo begins running through the eight billion doors in the labs. <laughs> so many rooms. I don't know. I I still think that the rooms in uh, I think it was Life Force. I uh-huh. think there were more doors there. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, but Cathaga is just kind of charging through, uh, following after Margot, and they're both just knocking shit over and just tearing the place apart. Yeah, Margot is just running around and, like, shoving stuff off. Like, I, I thought maybe she was doing this as, like, trying to create obstacles for this thing, but it's mostly just, like, beakers and shit off the yeah, shelves. Yeah. It's like, that's unnecessary, lady. Yeah, so, so Margot begins uh, mixing some fluids and dumping stuff out and doing science. Yeah, then she starts doing, like, opening up valves on things that are labeled flammable, and you're like, oh, okay, I, st- I start to see where she's going. With right. This. Up until that point, I think no. she was just making a mess. Yeah, she was just she was just being a, a toddler. Mate, oh, theory. She's running through Greg's lab. Oh, yeah, just t- tearing the place apart. <laughs> she, she doesn't know he's dead at this point. Yeah. She's just like, I'm getting my revenge. <laughs> uh, the emergency workers are through the front door with their arc welders. It took them a while. Took them a while, so... Because that's that's what you want to do when you have a... a fire. When you have a fire and you need to get suppressed by a, a fire firefighters, is, is you want them to have to take as long as possible yeah, to get to the Yeah, take an hour fire. to cut through it. <laughs> that way the fire tires itself out. Yeah, it gets all tuckered out and they can arrest it. Yeah, they can fight it better. Yeah. You can't With fight a fists. fire that's tired. Yeah. People don't know this, but firefighters, like, actually have to box the fire when yep. they get in there. Yeah, and it's easier it's when what it's... they use those big old axes for. It's like, they have to... <laughs> Attack the fire. Yeah, just just like the uh, the, the unhoused man in, in midway in the movie. Yeah, he he was a firefighter. He was a firefighter. He was fighting some fires down there. Yeah. 
so Kathaga or uh, Margot leads Kathaga like through all the chemicals that she's mixed up, and it seems to recognize her. And I was like, "Oh, Margot!" And then yeah, he goes, this, blah, blah, this is her. an unnecessary scene. Yeah, <laughs> gives her a gives her a lick. Uh, and then Margot throws her concoction at Kathaga, causing the whole lab to go up as she escapes on a cargo lift. Uh, the lab explodes, and Kathaga is now on fire. And yes, I know, Matt. <laughs> oh, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. That too. Uh, and the fire effects are fucking terrible. They're on bad. Kathaga. They are so bad. Yeah. Kathaga looks so bad. Like, in the early days of the internet, there was like an effects package you could get for paint shop that would let you just apply flames to shit <laughs> and it looked bad but you know it, it looked better than this it looked better than this yeah but everyone thought it was super cool because it was like the late 90s early aughts uh-huh it, it looked a lot like this uh-huh it's bad yeah <laughs> it's so bad uh margo hides in the submersive tank where they heat up the skeletons before giving them to the beetles and everything explodes around her, which kills Kathaga. Bye bye, And tears it into it, little pieces. It ex- no, it doesn't kill, it doesn't tear, it explodes Kathaga. Yeah, yeah. Like the fire's, the, it's on fire already, but as soon as the explosion ba- in the background, like the fire, the flames yeah. lick Kathaga, he just explodes like a balloon. It's just <laughs> pop. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, the cops get the power going, which didn't take nearly as long as the security guards implied it would. They just kind of go hit a switch. <laughs> Uh, well, there and, was a lot of red tape they had to get through to get to that point. Right, yeah, yeah. And as the cops are, like, pairing up assholes and elbows, uh, they find Vincent and Margot. Uh, and on the way out of the muse- of the lab area, Vincent refuses to step over the part of Kathaga's body because... Like a tusk or whatever. Yeah, I think it's an ear. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like a claw or something. Yeah, something. Me, but... Yeah, and Vince is like, no, I'm not going to step over this because... Bad luck. It was once a man, and that's bad luck. And then the movie just kind of stops. Yeah, it's just, that's it. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, that was uh, The Relic. Like I said, does not hold up nearly no. as well. Like, I'll admit, I didn't watch this movie too terribly long ago. I watched it not when it came out, because like I said, it came out in 97, and I would have watched it, I don't know, 03 or so. I, I probably watched it in the uh, in the late aughts, I want to say, uh-huh. but... Wow, it's, mm, turn on a goddamn light. That's all it, I gotta say. This movie is so dark, and... I would enjoy it a lot more if it were just brighter. Lit. Yeah, yeah, and maybe cut some of the, the, the filler stuff. And... Right, yeah. Because it, it's bloated for what it is. It is. Considering, like, the monster is only in, like, 3 minutes and 49 seconds of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot that could have been cut. Right, but for me, it's just, it's just the darkness levels. Like, if it's I knew bad. what I was looking at, I would at least have something to grasp onto. But when you're sitting there watching a, a nearly a two-hour movie and more than an hour of it is pretty much a black screen, Yeah, it's that's boring. bad. It's that's boring really as hell. Bad. So, all right. Well, um, oh, and you said you had a theory about that footprint. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. You know how they say that... Um, the Kathaga is constantly, like, get growing more and more reptilian and changing and stuff. Yeah. Like, my theory is that um, Whitney wasn't completely Kathaga'd at that point. Oh. He was just bigger. Sure. And, like, his feet had burst through his shoes. Okay. But he was still wearing parts of them. Okay. So, yeah. 
I don't know if it quite works, but it, it probably doesn't. But it's a better explanation than what we get. It, yeah, which than is what nothing. we get, which is nothing. Yeah. Um. So I'm willing to take it. Okay. Yeah. I'll no price my way out of that one. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um. Anything nope. else? No. Crunch. So welcome back. We're yep. gonna crunch up a we're gonna crunch up a, a scientist turned monster again. Yep. So that's, that keeps happening. Yeah, it's a monster movie trope. Yep. Sure. So um, yeah, the, this isn't gonna be the most interesting stat block in the world, just because it is kind of a big brute of a monster. There's not much you can do with it. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, in the movie they say that Kathaga is created out of, like, the DNA of a bunch of different monsters. Right. Or a bunch of different creatures. Right. So I kind of took that to be, like, as my uh, my watchword on this, and I just kind of Frankenstein together a monster out of parts of other monsters. All right. So, yeah, there, there's nothing unique to this guy, but he combines a bunch of stuff from other creatures. What you okay. looking at, buddy? Oh, nothing. Okay. So this is the Kachunka. Kachunka. Yeah. Okay. Who is a large aberration, because he's a mutated creature, so aberration. Yep. That's, that's what aberration make. Yep. Uh, chaotic neutral. Uh, armor class of 15 with natural armor. Uh, hit points of 85, which is 10d10 plus 30. Speed of 30 with a climb speed of also 30, because he, he yep. scoots up that wall. He climbs. He does a climb. Yep. Uh, for stats, we have strength at a plus three, dex at a plus two, con at a plus three, intelligence at a minus two, wisdom of minus two, and charisma of a minus three, because he is a big smelly lizard. Big, <laughs> yeah. That was once man. That's not attractive, I no. don't think. Well, I mean, to some people. Probably uh, a bigger demographic than I'm giving credit. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, for senses, he just has passive perception at a minus eight. He doesn't depict any other senses. You mean just a, a passive perception of eight? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Not at a minus eight. Whatever, <laughs> man. He can't see shit. Yeah. Uh, and damage vulnerabilities, cold. Because he's a lizard. Yeah. And that's what their plan was. Yep. And he doesn't show much aversion to the fire other than the explodey part. <laughs> right, yeah. They say that he's weak to, like... Extreme temperatures, but he doesn't seem too bothered by being on fire. No. It's kind of no, yeah. He he's bothered by the explosion well, that yeah. Most things would be though that he is. Ex I don't know, man. I don't know how this thing's biology works. Yeah, poorly. Anyway, no languages, and he is a challenge of a four. Okay. Uh, for attributes, he has aggressive. As a bonus action, uh, the Kachunka can move up to its speed towards a hostile creature that it can see. Okay. That's always a useful ability for things to have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mobility mobility for uh, monsters in combat is very important. Yeah. Um, he also has Berserk. Uh, whenever the Kachunka starts its turn with 42 hit points or fewer, roll a d6. On a 6, the Kachunka goes Berserk. On each of its turns, while Berserk, the Kachunka attacks the nearest creature it can see. If no creature is near enough to move to an attack, the Kachunka attacks an object with preference for an object smaller than itself. Once the Kachunka goes berserk, it continues to do so until it is destroyed or regains all of its hit points. Okay, so taken from, like, the Flesh Golem. Yep. 
Okay. He just freaks out and starts smashing shit. Yeah, sure. Because he kind of does that. Yeah, that's sure. That's kind of what he does. And then he's got savage attacks. Uh, when the Kachunka scores a critical hit with a melee weapon attack, it can roll one of its damage dice one additional time and add it to the extra damage of the critical hit. So, three. Okay, yeah. It, which is just like the... Orcs. Yeah, orcs. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for actions, he has multi-attack, so uh, he the Kachunka makes two bite attacks and one tail attack. Bite attack is pretty basic, plus five to hit, reach of five feet, uh, one target, and an average of ten piercing damage. The tail uh, is a melee weapon attack, plus five to hit, reach of ten feet. Uh, hit is seven slashing damage, and the target must make a DC 14 constitution saving throw, or be pushed ten feet away from the Kachunka and be knocked prone. Which would be a problem for someone fighting the Kachanka. That wouldn't be great. So yeah, like I said, it doesn't do anything super flashy. Flashy, but it does put together stuff that I don't think we normally find. Because like all these things are things that other monsters do. Right. But I don't think they've been not in this combination. Yeah. 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 No, this is definitely a a combination kind of Camarad creature, Mm -hmm. which which is fine. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes monsters are just big things that hit you. Yeah. Like. No. That's fine. I think it works. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, with that, uh, that wraps this up. And, holy shit, Matt, our next episode is yeah. number 50. It is the 50th. I know. That's, like, of, that, of, that is a milestone I never thought we would yeah, reach. Yeah, for main feed episodes, yeah, that is That's kind of crazy. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I do have something special planned for that. Okay, what are we um, doing? But we are going to be watching The Dark Crystal. Oh, neat! So... Yep. Um, so join us in two weeks for that 50th episode, uh, Dark Crystal action. Yep. Um, and uh, I am I am going to try to get better about uh, selling ourselves. So here we okay. go. Um, if you do enjoy, th- if you enjoyed this, uh, th- I mean, obviously, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend, share it with family, friends, whatever. Tell tell your neighbor, tell the dog down the street, just tell people. If you hated it, tell an enemy. You know, don't tell them what it's about. Just tell them to listen to it and all of it. Um, but yeah, um, if you also really want to support us, uh, definitely check out our Patreon, please. Um, <laughs> $5 a month, you get you the Swamp Heap level, which gets you just a massive backlog of extra content. Just fucking silly amount of shit. Yeah, although I do, I will say I have officially uh, put the stat blocks and all of the rules that we've made uh-huh. from a year ago. Into the public folder. Oh, okay. So everything up to a year you can get. So basically, subscribing to the Swamp Heap level will get you one year early access to those stat blocks, plus the episodes where we kind of cover them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mostly us just reading them, but, you know, we shed some light on it. We have some fun. Um, But there is a lot of really cool stuff there. I just You also get early access to the Comics Crunch episodes. Those drop a month early. Yep, yep. Early access to Comic Crunch. Um... And then, I mean, if we get more support, more rewards incoming. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can't swing that five bucks a month, I totally get that. Uh, We also have the $1 a month fur buddy level. Uh, You too can be a fur buddy if you do this. And uh, right now it's just a tip jar. But if we see some support, I'll definitely look into more rewards like a Discord or something. Absolutely. Uh, So do please consider doing that. Um, but again, I, I digress. The, if you really want to support us, the best way is to just spread the word. Try yeah, to get for sure. We get our listenership up. That's the main kind of goal here. Um, but yeah, uh, 
kind of rambling at this point. Um, we got our anniversary episode coming up soon, so it's going to be yeah, a good right time. after the uh, the fiftieth yeah, right episode. The 50th That's episode so. timing up nicely. Yep. So we're going to have lots of cool stuff in the future. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Why do you